Good evening, uh, brethren, and praise the Lord. It's such a great opportunity to again share the word of God this evening. And uh, thank you very much, Peter, for ministering to us. And I believe that uh, the Lord will continue to speak to us even this evening. Uh, our text, as Peter has already alluded to, is in the uh, book of Acts, chapter 13 verse 13 to 52, and we're going to look at the power of persistence in witnessing. I, I like the, the way this was put together, the power of persistence in witnessing. It speaks of, uh, you know, witnessing, but not just witnessing for Christ, but also knowing that there is power behind witnessing for the gospel, witnessing for Jesus. There is power, there is power because the person that you are witnessing for has overcome. He is mighty, he is powerful, he is everything. He's above, he is beyond, he's not anywhere our equal, he's almighty. So, so as you witness for him, there is power in witnessing for Jesus. As you speak for him, as you share about him, there is power in doing it. But how be it if there is even consistency in doing it, if there is persistence in doing it? And that means and speaks, when you add the word persistence, it means there is a level of opposition that comes along the way. There are certain environments that are not really conducive that get you to begin to want to quit in the process of witnessing for Jesus. And I believe each one of us who has been ministered to, who, who has preached to, and you accepted Jesus in your life, and you began to share Jesus, it wasn't always a smooth flow of things. You met situations that sometimes encouraged you, but you also went through uh, situations that were not necessarily comfortable. But because you were persistent, you were able to share the word of God because on the inside of you, you were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus saves Jesus satisfies, Jesus is everything. And so because of your love for him, you went ahead anyway and you proclaimed the gospel. So this evening we are going to look at that. It has a very long text in the book of Acts 13, 13 to 52. And as I share, you are free to go into the text and try to read through. But let me just uh, read through a few lines. And then we share because uh, it's, it's such a, a long text. Um, in verse 13 of chapter 13 of the book of Acts, it says, From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Paga, to Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So all these were journeys that Paul was making. Remember, Paul initially being a threat to the gospel, being a persecutor of the church, is now converted. He's now ready to move out. He's already moving. He's already doing work for his master, Jesus. He's already going places and he's setting sail 
to go to different provinces proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And then it says in verse uh, in, in, in verse 15, it says, Stand up, Paul mentioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their, their, their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this, all this took about 40 years. See how Paul is beginning to enumerate the scriptures of how the children of Israel came out of captivity. He's already ministering. He's already preaching. And, and the gospel is such a powerful uh, testimony about our faith because it is, so, it is so rich. It has a foundation. It speaks of times when we were in captivity. It speaks of those times when you were lost. It speaks of those times when you had no hope. And then there came the intervention of Jesus, of the Savior, after the word was proclaimed. And so Paul is speaking about this. He's talking to the, to, to the people that he's talking about in Israel. And he's, he's beginning to expound to them the scriptures. And as you will read through yourself, you will discover that Paul, at various instances, was mentioning the purpose of the word of God, of the gospel, and the reason why he was doing what he was doing. Yes, it wasn't easy. There were mockers. There was resistance. There were all these things, as you will read in the text. But let me share right now. Let me delve into the word uh, very quickly. Now, I, I want to look at the word persistence. What is this word persistence? What does it mean? Number one, as I read through the dictionary, it says, the quality that allows someone to continue doing something or trying to do something, even though it is difficult or opposed by. So someone is trying to do something continuously, but they're facing difficulty or they're facing opposition. Number two, it is an act of persisting stubbornly and enduring continuance. So it is an act of stubbornness. You, you stubbornly persist to go through a, a certain situation and you are ready to endure it as you continue to do it. So there's an act of endurance. There's an act of continuing to do something. There's an, there's an aspect of Opposition, yes, there are those, those times when there is opposition. But number three, it is the quality of being persistent and tenacious. So persistence is the quality. It's a quality that the church, that the believer, hallelujah, that, that, that friends, we must have that quality in us, especially in these last days when the gospel is not so popular and yet we must preach it there must be that quality of being persistent and tenacious. Tenacity has to be part of us. You have to do it in spite of, regardless. You have to continuously do it. 
You have to press on, press on, and let there be pressure. Push it. Push the gospel until somebody, to the last, hears the gospel. Remember, what is what delays Jesus from coming back is because the gospel has not been preached to the ends of the earth. Because the scripture says, and when the gospel has been preached to the ends of the earth, then the end will come. So for us to make sure that the end comes faster, there has to be a, an intentional, tenacious preaching of the gospel. We must be persistent in witnessing. Let's look at the law of persistence. The law, we've already seen some, some aspects. Tenacity, it's a quality. There, is, there has to be continuity. There, there, there will be opposition, you know, all these things. But the law of persistence works in this environment. In that persistence is an important part of success. Okay, there is, re there is resistance, there's opposition, there are all these things. But remember, persistence is an important part of success. Stories abound of men and women who were persistent in their goals. There are many stories that we know. And those men and women succeeded because they were persistent. They were persistent as regards their goals. They refused to give up. We know the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, how some of them were, were sown, were, were tortured, were persecuted, but they, they were all consumed about the end. The end was victory. The end was the crown. We know it also when we read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, we know what happened about Jesus. He persisted. The Bible says we should have that kind of mentality. We should have the same attitude. The same attitude as was with Christ. He did not look at the cross as something that he would be ashamed of. Yes, it was shameful. But he was seeing you and me redeemed from destruction, from the pit of hell. From, from, the, from the enemy, Satan, the devil. He was seeing us one day redeemed. So he did not look at the shame. He did not regard, the scripture says, he did not regard the shame that was on the cross. So he looked at my salvation and your salvation. And that drove him all the way. He did not stop. So these men and women who succeeded, did refuse to give up. They followed their dreams when all their friends and family members told them to quit. Have you encountered such situations in your life where even your closest family members, if, it, if it's not that close, then what is close? Your own family members begin to tell you, quit, just forget about it. End it there, stop there. Why are you going through all this? And your own family members are telling, your own close friends are telling you to quit. I would imagine that Jesus, even if the disciples did not talk, but their sleep and, and their lack of being persistent with Jesus, even to that very hour, was like it was saying, uh -uh, Jesus, you are in this alone. We cannot go on. 
And if it wasn't for, for the Holy Spirit, if it wasn't for this mission that Jesus was consumed about, yes, there was a time of fear. The Bible says in the garden when he was alone, he, he prayed. And the scripture says that an angel was sent to encourage him, even the son of God. First, that moment in his life where he was almost overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with the cross. Think about it. But he did not give up. God had to, the, the, an angel had to be sent to encourage him. So there are times when there will even be your closest friends not going with you all the way. And if it was somebody else, they would give, they would give up. But Jesus kept the faith. He kept it on. These men and women who considered their dreams and in spite of the resistance and the lack of encouragement from their friends, they found success because they were persistent. You will find success when you persevere, when you persist in the faith. When you persist in the faith, you will find success. Remember, life rewards those who are persistent. It may not come immediately. It may not happen immediately. But life rewards those who are persistent, who never give up, who continue until they are complete in the course that they're doing. So when you complete your course, even the scripture says, those that will, 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 will persevere up to the end, they will be given that crown of life. So you will overcome. You will have the crown of life. So when you complete your course, you will have success. You will have the price. Now let me digress a little bit in the aspect of prayer because I've discovered that even as I was preparing that prayer and persistence in witnessing are intertwined. There's a way in which they are related because haven't we read in the scriptures in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts, I think it's chapter, uh, I think it's chapter four. Haven't you read in the scriptures after uh, those of Peter were beaten up and, and you know, they, they, they were stopped and they were told not to preach the gospel, Acts chapter four, verses 23, it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, the people that they reported to, the assembly of believers that they reported to, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And they, begin, they began to pray. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and all these things. And they mentioned all these things to God. They were praying. They were praying. They were praying. And listen, listen, in verse 20, 
in verse 29, they say, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, these people were praying. Why? Because they initially they were threatened. Of course, they were even jailed for some time. And when they were released, Peter and John went back to the assembly of believers. I think each one of us, or us as believers, need to have, need to ensure that we have an assembly of believers that are trusted, that are tenacious, that are persistent, that are visionary, that are sold out, that are bold when it comes to the gospel. You need a fallback position. So much so that when you when you when you encounter that kind of resistance, there are people that you can run back to, explain, pour out your heart to them, report this out to them, and what comes out of them will be prayer to the Lord. So prayer and persistence in witnessing is like they work together. So for these people to gain the boldness to continue proclaiming the gospel in spite of the resistance. They had to fall back to the place of prayer. And the Bible says they went to they, they went into that congregation and they and, and they reported this, and the congregation rose up in prayer. And they mentioned and said, Consider the threats, consider the opposition, consider these things. And then they say, stretch out your hands, heal and perform signs and what it's like, do it even more times. Prove to them that you are surely God, that we serve living God, powerful God, almighty God. And it says, perform all these signs and wonders and miracles through the mighty name of your holy servant, Jesus. And the Bible says where they prayed after that prayer, the ground shook, there was a sign that the Lord had responded, oh my God, let there be a sign. When you, child of God, who has faced resistance, and opposition to prayer, when you are persistent in prayer, as you lift your eyes to heaven and asking God for boldness so that you may continue to preach, not that you may quit, God will answer. There will be an answer. There will be a sign. And the Bible says there was a shaking. There was a shaking. Let there be a shaking to every form of resistance in your life. This evening, as you call upon the name of the Lord, I don't know where you are right now, but as you seek God about that situation, about that circumstance that seems to be opposing you as you, ten, as you build tenacity in your life, as you desire to be persistent and yet there is opposition, but as you seek God in the place of prayer, let boldness rise out on the inside of you and let there be a sign of a shaking in the mighty name of Jesus. So this people persisted in prayer. So it is like when you talk about persistence in witnessing, there is, there is prayer. There's prayer involved. There must be prayer involved. Actually, there must be prayer involved. There must be prayer involved. Persistent prayer. Let me say something about persistent prayer. It doesn't give up. It's praying for something until either God answers our prayer or he tells us to stop praying after he has answered. Because when we go to God, we go to him in expectation that there will be an answer. And so we'll pray and pray and pray until God answers. 
So even if God says wait, he has answered. Even if God says yes, he has answered. Even if God says wait, he has answered. God will still answer. There will be a sign. So when we persist in prayer, we must stand in faith that God will answer our prayer. It never stops until it receives God's answer. So persistent prayer never stops until there is an answer from God. So I encourage you, you know, let me encourage you, friends. When you pray, expect that God will answer. Let there be persistence in prayer. God honors persistent prayer. And here are three truths that I want us to know about persistent prayer, even as I've digressed a little bit into prayer. Number one, persistent prayer reveals my commitment and your commitment. You see, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he told his disciples a parable and showed them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. Luke 18, 1. In Luke 18, 6 to 8, it says, And the Lord said to them, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice? Remember this widow who was constantly going to this judge and nagged this judge persistent. She was persistent. But listen, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and get it quickly. Praise the Lord. God honors persistent prayer. He will give you justice and it will come quickly. Another one is that persistent prayer breaks resistance. When you persist in prayer, number one, persistent prayer reveals my commitment and your commitment, but it also breaks resistance. Every time you persist in prayer, there's a breakthrough. That's what we call a breakthrough. There will be a breakthrough. You will break through resistance. What do you break through? You break through resistance. You break through realms that are unfriendly. You break through realms that are holding your answers. You break through realms that may always seek to discourage you. So when you persist in prayer, you break the resistance of the enemy. There are no friendly forces that resist children of God when they are praying. No, they are wicked forces. And thirdly, persistent prayer honors God. It honors God. So when we persist in prayer, we honor God. That was just a small digression into prayer. Because I, as I was preparing, I discovered that the that two work together. That two work together. So let me go back to, the, to what I'm, I was sharing. So you are never going to make any headway with a sinner, for instance. Now when it comes to witnessing. You will never make a headway with a sinner arguing with him about the way he lives or about his going to church or not going to church or about your religion versus his. You cannot make a headway there. Every time you're getting into an argument, you cannot make a headway because very soon you'll become angry. So how, how will you preach love for God so loved when you're angry? With somebody. So you can't make a headway with somebody who already has a, a spirit of resistance in them when you have already begun 
with arguing with that person. You're going to have to give him that gospel, the word of God. You're going to have to witness to them that gospel. Speak that gospel. You are going to have to preach the word of God. That is what he needs. That's the bottom line. Preach the word of God. Share the word of God. Share your witness to Christ and to what he did for you. People just need the word of God. They need, they need the persistent work of the scriptures to bring them down so that God can build them up. That's all they need. Persistence in the word of God. That one will melt their hearts. It will melt a heart that is stubborn. It will bring them down so that God begins to, to build them up, to lift them up. The true gospel will always bring conviction, divine conviction. Hmm? Divine conviction. It doesn't torture you. It doesn't condemn you. There is conviction. There is conviction. So as you preach, that person is brought down to realize that they need a savior. They are sinking. They need Jesus and they will respond to the gospel. So like Paul says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Paul says, I commend you to the gospel. I commend you to the gospel. Not to my own thoughts and my own ways and my own words. No, I commend you to this word of God that is able to change you. This word is able to build you up because it's the word of grace. Why should we persist in witnessing? And what makes this powerful? What makes this powerful? We've talked about powerful witnessing. So what does it make? How, how does it become powerful? What makes it powerful? Number one. This is what I, I discovered. Number one. Jesus commanded us. It's a command. It's a command. To witness is a command. It's a command. And when you're commanded, there is a backing from the command center in heaven. You're not going there in your own strength. No. Even, even the ability to persist in witnessing is not your own. No. It's not your own. There is backing from, from the heavenly quarters. The heavenly command center is backing you with grace to persevere and to persist in witnessing. Matthew 28, 18 to 19 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Listen, Jesus began with a very good, a very powerful statement. He said, All authority has been given to me. And as he was sending them, it was like now I'm passing this authority that has been given to me. I'm passing over this authority that has been given to me. And in, in passing it over, he says, therefore, go. Go not in your own strength. Go in that authority. Hallelujah. 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there is, it's a command, and because there is a command, there is heaven backing you to do what you're going to do. That assignment is backed up by heaven. So that will encourage you. It will encourage you. That is where the power aspect comes in. That's where the power aspect comes in. That's why the preaching of the gospel will be followed with signs and wonders and miracles, miraculous interventions. God ordains that word. He, it's like he has poured his presence into it. And as that word is proclaimed, signs and wonders and miracles accompany that word because it is backed up by the heavenly command center. Number two, a love for God and others. That's why I should persist. That's why I should persist in witnessing they, because there is my love for God and my love for others. Second Corinthians 5.14 says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So the, the, the love of God compels me. It compels me to, to be persistent in the place of witnessing the love of God. See, I did not love God first. No. Scripture says, while I was a pharaoh, while I was lost in my sin, Christ died for me. So God reached out to me. That compels me. It compels me when I begin, when I see others who are still lost in sin, without hope in God, it compels me to reach out to them. Number three. Okay, let me read another passage, another scripture. Philippians chapter two, verse three and four. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what compels me also gets me to consider others' interests and not my own self, selfish interests. So I don't consider myself as, I don't consider myself having reached or comprehended as long as my family members are still wallowing in sin and in the world, I will not be satisfied about their condition. I am compelled and therefore I am not selfish with the gospel, with the word of God. I am constantly, constantly persistent in preaching and making sure that they get saved. Every time my elder brother would, 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 would preach to us, he would persistently tell us about getting saved. Get saved. It is only Jesus that saves until when I committed my life to Jesus. There must have been somebody who was persistent with you. He did not consider himself having reached. He was going on his way to heaven. No. He considered you also. So then he was able to preach the word of God to you. So I don't consider my own self. Number three, Jesus Christ is the only way. And most people actually don't know that. Sometimes we think it is very obvious that people know that Jesus is the only way. But it is not. It is not. There are many things that, that compete with the gospel. 
And sometimes we need to come, we need to, come to a realization that people actually do not know. It is not so obvious to them that Jesus is the only way. People know that there are many other ways to getting saved. But we should be very clear and tenacious with that truth. With the truth, John 14, 6, that says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is what Jesus said, period. That one has to be very clear. John 3, 36, it says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. So if you reject Jesus, there is no eternal life. People need to know these truths. And sometimes we think everybody knows. No, they don't. So that should drive you. It should compel you. It should get you off your seat every time you see somebody. You, you, you get into a place. You get into that taxi. You get into that bus. You get wherever you are to your village or to your kindred or members of your family. And you realize they're not born again. As you pray for them persistently in prayer, God will give you the boldness even to share with them these truths that whoever does not have the son does not have life. And that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. John 3 verse 18, it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's son. Number four, how will people know if they have not heard? How will they know? These things compel me to witness. That is why I persist in witnessing. That is where the power lies. The power lies there. How will they know if they have not heard? As scripture says in Romans 10, verse 11 to 15, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Number one. How can they call on the one they've not believed in? Number two, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Number three, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And number four, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Four aspects. Four aspects. Powerful aspects. Very powerful aspects. And then the scripture ends and says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Your feet are beautiful when these four aspects are met because out of them, the good news will be proclaimed. So these are very critical aspects. How will people know if they do not hear? Number five, People are blinded by Satan. They are blinded by Satan. And this should get me tenacious about the gospel. It should cause me to be persistent. And that is why the power lies. 
in in actually knowing the truth that that the god of this world has blinded the eyes of the people no wonder the things they do are really out of this world second corinthians 4:4 it says that god of this age and talking about this age people the god of this age is very active my goodness the god of this age this is so current the god of this age second corinthians 4:4 the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel our people have been blinded what is bad is now good and what is good is terrible that is how the truth has been changed that's how things have turned upside down so the god of this of this age is very active the people have been blinded the unbelievers their minds have been blinded they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of christ who is the image of god they cannot see because they have been blinded pray for your people pray for your family members to whom the god of this world has been unleashed pray for your congregants pray for your for your ministry the god of this age is active in blinding their eyes it's a shame that even those that you would otherwise know believe in the gospel in the word of god and are supposed to live by the word of god also seem like they are blinded by the god of this age and then there is this part in, in, in the num- number 60 says witnessing helps us to grow as believers every time you persist in witnessing every time you are witnessing you grow as a believer philemon chapter 1 verse 6 it says i pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ colossians 1:10 says so that you may live a life worthy of the lord So as your faith becomes of full knowledge in every good deed for the sake of Christ he says so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God so as we as we persistently witness for the Lord we grow as believers we grow and that is where the power lies that is where the power lies the growth of a believer is hinged on this sharing of the faith this is what the scriptures is pointing out because then you become effective hallelujah number 2 you'll become you'll bear fruit in every good work and that you'll also grow in the knowledge of god so these are very critical ingredients 
very critical ingredients that as you share the word of God, you grow up as a believer. Now, finally, let me try to share very quickly some, some thoughts about sharing the gospel. I've shared about the things that, that the powerful, the, 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 the fact that proclaiming the gospel, preaching the word of God with perseverance and persistence is powerful. But then, what is the practical bit of it? How do we apply all this now to what we, to, to what we are supposed to do as believers? And so let me share some of these aspects because I really feel they are very pertinent in my spirit. Number one, know that fear, number one, the aspect of fear, we need to deal with the aspect of fear. But fear in this instance is like a mirage. It's like, it's unreal. Actually, like somebody defined that defined fear, he says fear is often false evidence appearing real. Fear is false evidence appearing real. So there is evidence that fear tries to flash onto the screen, but it is actually not real. What is, what is real is actually not that. No, it is false. It's evidence, and it, but it is false. So many times you will discover that those that you were worried about offending have been waiting for somebody or even praying. You know, you, you, you fear to approach them. You're worried about their status, their position, who they are, their name, you know, their big office and who they are called and all these things. But you'll actually discover that as you, as you reach out to them, you will discover that they were actually desiring and praying that God should send someone, someone to talk to them about their souls, somebody to talk to them in, in, in the recesses of their hearts and their minds. They are troubled. They are living a life that, that is like a raging sea with tossing waves of trouble and anxiety. But they need somebody to break through that false evidence. They need somebody that is tenacious enough, somebody that is persistent enough with God. They need that person who will break through that barrier that is false and reach out to them and share. So often, most intimidating people are the most open to the gospel. Actually, those most intimidating people are the ones who are most open to the gospel. But for you, it was that false evidence, that fear that always would come in your way. It would always stand between you and their destiny to eternal life. Let me try to rush quickly because time is not my best ally. So begin to share your faith. And soon you will discover that your fear was false evidence appearing real. So as you confront it, it will fade away and to completely dis disappear. So today, if I'm speaking to somebody who has that fear, that fear, it is false. And the enemy uses it as a tool, as, as a weapon to keep you away from sharing your faith. He's using it as a weapon that is keeping you from being productive, from being fruitful, from being knowledgeable of God. It is keeping you away from that. That's, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. That's how Satan does it. Number two, second thought. 
Trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. You must trust that the Holy Spirit is working with you. As much as you want to see people saved, Jesus wants that more. He wants it more. The Holy Spirit is highly invested in the place where people have given themselves to proclaim the word of God. No wonder evangelists anointed for that ministry. So the Holy Spirit lingers at the foot of that. I mean, evangelism will cause you to linger constantly at the foot of the cross. There you will be serviced. There you will be boldened. There you will be prepared to witness, to share the gospel. So if you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you become a soul winner. Because all they need is getting into the heart of God. That's all they need. They need to find God. They need to find Christ. So we have to cultivate a deep conviction that when we share the gospel, the Holy Spirit, God himself, works with us. That will make us fearless. That will make us fearless. Because if God is for us, then who or what can be against you? Romans 8.31. So every time we linger, we cultivate that conviction of sharing the gospel. The Holy Spirit will honor that. And God will bolden our faith so that we are fearless about proclaiming the word of God. This requires something called faith. So just as we are saved by faith, as followers of Jesus, we live by faith. Therefore, is it any surprise that we must also evangelize by faith? So the ingredient of faith there is very critical. Faith, faith, faith. Faith and God honors faith. God honors faith. And then two more points. Number three, love overcomes fear. Fear is an emotion. Everyone feels, but love is more powerful than fear. Child of God, love compels us to take risks. Love acts like, like when you're made to sleep. You go through anesthesia. You sleep, you're numb. That place where operation is going to take place becomes numb. Becomes numb. So fear does not govern your action because now that you cannot feel any pain, even fearing the knife is just nothing. So love has that, that aspect in our lives. It has to be, you know, it has to be involved in what we do. First John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So winning the lost oftentimes means being willing to look like a loser. If you've been sold out to win the lost, sometimes you will look like one who is always losing it. You are a loser, wasting your time. It even requires one to be vulnerable, which means you're, being, you're willing to be embarrassed, even accepting persecution. What compels us to be subject, to subject ourselves to such exposure? It is love. It is love. 
seeing the lost, just as Jesus would see them. Why? Because love is not selfish. 1 Corinthians 13.5. That means to love others is to put them before ourselves. If fear of rejection keeps us from sharing the gospel, it means we love ourselves more than we love the lost. So in this aspect, love risks the loss of comfort, convenience, and security for the gospel's sake. That's what love does. Then finally, be prepared. Be prepared. Preparation puts confidence where there used to be fear and insecurity. When you prepare yourself. That is why 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says that we should be ready to give everyone an answer for the hope that we have. Don't wait until the middle of the conversation with the unbeliever to start thinking about what to say. No. Always have an answer. And the Holy Spirit is so gracious, he will give you an answer. I, I, I saw a quote about of Smith Wigglesworth, and I will quote. He says, I don't get ready, I stay ready. Whether we are at a gospel crusade or a grocery store, we must live with our gospel boots on. That's what Smith Wigglesworth says. I don't get ready, I stay ready. I stay ready. Friends, let's not just get ready. Let's stay ready. Let's stay, there. Let's stay ready because the world needs the word of God. If we are prepared to share the gospel, the Holy Spirit will use us. Imagine losing power. Let me give this scenario. Imagine losing power in your house and it becomes dark. You go down to the basement and you... Or you don't have a generator, but when you go down to the basement, you'll find two lanterns. One has kerosene, the other doesn't. Which one would you use? I guess the lantern that is, that is ready, of course, the one that has a kerosene. So we don't have to beg God to use us. If we are ready, God will use us automatically. If we are ready, God will use us automatically. So I don't get ready, I stay ready. Let's stay ready. Let's equip ourselves with the word of God. Let's be persistent and persevere through opposition. The enemy is not asleep. The God of this age is not asleep. But let's endure. Even if it means endurance, endure for the sake of the power of persisting in witnessing for Jesus. Paul did. He persisted. He persisted. And see what happened. See how much we can witness about what he did when we read a book of Acts. May God bless us and may God strengthen us as we serve him and as we live for him. Stay ready. Stay ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.
what, what can you can the rest of the team hear me yes can the rest yes, can hear me now because at the beginning i wasn't there. we can hear you me yes please hey, Carl, yes. Hey, thank you david for that wonderful sharing uh, it was very powerful and uh, let's dive into prayer uh, i've listed down some prayer points here and uh, i just had some brief points conviction first point that touched me was the inner conviction it starts with the inner conviction that that jesus is lord before even we begin to talk about power and what are you convinced are you born again my friend <laughs> Are we born again? Are you, if Jesus came today, before even you start witnessing to others, is it from the heart? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he talked about prayer, persist, prayer and persistence go hand in hand. And uh, the prayer breaks resistance. Prayer honors God as it's a powerful tool. And uh, of course, it's a command being reminded, he reminded us that actually, Sharing the sharing the gospel is a command from Jesus. It's not a, I feel like it's not a, a it's not like I feel like it's not. It's a command from Jesus Christ, and we have. He was reminded us that Jesus backs us. He backs us. He will be. I'd shared with Matthew twenty-eight. He said he will be with us to the very end, and uh, it's compelled also by our love for others. We. What do we love others? We love our neighbors. That should push us to share the gospel. And uh, we are going to pray against fear, the fear of rejection. And also we are reminded that the Holy Spirit is with us. So it's also, he, Jesus left us with the Holy Spirit too. He's at work. It's not only our own work. When you share the word with others, the Holy Spirit is the one who knocks at that door, brings the conviction to. Uh, so let's dive into prayer. Father, we worship you. We honor you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for David and bless him, bless his family. Father, we pray that, that you, this evening, your Holy Spirit will open our hearts to, to know you, to, to, to not to sit down, not to, but to be burdened by this passion for us to share, to share this testimony. Lord, in the first place, we thank you, Lord, for, 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 for we thank you for saving our souls. We thank you for for, for, for that conviction that drew us to you. We thank you for those people, those, I always call them saints, those, those people who shared the gospel to us and our eyes were open. May you bless each one of them, Lord. At, at a certain point, Lord, you sent your angels to, say, to share with us, people who stood with us, people who never gave up on us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those such people. Father, also we pray that you, you help us to pray, Lord, and and be persistent in prayer, especially when we are discouraged, especially when we have fears, especially when we have fears of rejection, what we others think, especially when we have fears with our family members. And Father, we pray that you give us zeal to pray, that we will not fear to pray and seek your help, seek your guidance. And Father, also we pray that we will not only pray for material things, most of our most of our percentage of our prayers is about material things, about our needs. Lord, I pray that our prayer will go beyond material. That we'll start praying for the gospel. We start praying for the great harvest. 
we start praying for courage to share with others. Lord, that it will not be about material, me, I, and needs and what I need and all. I pray that we will start praying for the others. We start praying for, for guidance, for help, for the power, for, for, for wisdom, for the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we start praying for, to, for, to be empowered to share the gospel with others. Father, also we pray against fear. We pray against the, the spirit of fear. The word, the Bible is clear. You have not given, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but you have given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Lord, we pray for against the spirit of fear. In the place of fear, Lord, planting us love, love for us, love for God, love for you, Lord, my master, that it will compel us to, to, to reach out to others. Lord, also, Lord, Father, we have been reminded that love overcomes fear. Love overcomes fear. We pray that you plant in us love for the gospel. Father, we worship you. We glorify your name. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. And may your name be glorified. May your name be glorified this evening.